Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode four of Of Bajor, the premier weird Twitter Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Today, we're going to be covering the episodes Culus and Dax. So we'll start with Culus. The plot of that one involves Q from Next Generation visiting Deep Space Nine, along with Captain Picard's somewhat girlfriend, Vash, from the Gamma Quadrant. And Vash teams up with Quark to sell a bunch of Gamma Quadrant artifacts. Well, meanwhile, the, the Deep Space Nine crew deal with both Q and some mysterious energy draining incidents. I guess it depends on how you feel about Q. I, I like him. So I kind of like this app, but it's, I don't think it's like the best. It's definitely not one of the top Q episodes. Yeah, I, I think there's there's been way better Q episodes. And personally, like, I th- I think this is maybe it's it's definitely not my favorite of, of his appearances. It kind of seems like a token gesture here where. Yeah, I mean, like kind of like the Duras sisters a couple of those back, you know, it's just kind of like to get make sure like TNG viewers who maybe like weren't sure about to tune in. Yeah, exactly. Like, over the whole episode, I, I kind of wondered why Q was even involved. And I've, I've got some questions around that. Like, basically, you summarized the, the episode already. Well, first of all, Vosh shows up in a shuttle from the Gamma Quadrant with uh, Jadzia and Julian, right? No, Julian's already there because he's like, uh, it opens with him hitting on... And this is um the episode we learned that the thing that made him not the question he made that made him not salutatory instead of valedictorian the I forget what it is but uh, obviously we come back to that in a later episode well we mentioned many episodes but there'll be a particular later episode we we learn more about that but yeah he mistakes a pre ganglionic fiber for a post ganglionic nerve oh damn yeah. no yeah. that's probably wrong uh. That I, sounds, I, that like sounds it. right. That sounds exactly yeah. right, actually. Apparently, they retconned it. One of the reasons they did it was because, um, I guess, one of the, um, the writers or someone on it, the show, like, their wife was, like, a doctor, and he said, um, that's an, no, that's an obvious mistake. No one would make that mistake. Like, those two are completely different things. <laughs> so that's why, apparently, part of the reason they retconned it, he intentionally got it wrong. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, I'm thinking, like, there seems to be, like, there's two kinds of Q episodes. There's ones that really use him to, like, tackle big ideas and, you know, kind of, like, really, like, examine humanity. And I guess, like, you know, his first appearance at Calvary at Farpoint, you know, All Good Things, Tapestry. I put, And also, I guess, the Voyager app, um, Death, the first, his first Voyager app, Death Wish, I put on that. Yeah. And then there's kind of ones where he's basically just the Great Gazoo or something, or Mr. Mixie <laughs> yeah. Picks, like, you know, just... I think, like, apparently John Delancey refers to that as, like, you know, Uncle Q, where he just, like, shows up to, to be really wacky and get them. <laughs> yeah. And I like those eps. And, you know, what? those are good eps, too, because Q-, Q is pretty funny. Like, I really, I think my favorite probably is um the one where he's, like, stripped of his powers. Yeah. You know, that has, like, a lot of good Q moments. That's probably the best Q episode. But Q, I mean, he, in TNG, he's really, besides the kind of, there's a couple of one-off episodes like that one where... He's kind of just there, and he has his issue. But he's kind of there, I would say, to as like a, a thread that guides Picard's arc of sorts. He's there in the beginning. He's there uh, when he uh, shows Picard uh, what he would be if he was uh, a coward, uh, basically, yeah. in the in the really good episode. Beta he, Picard. He steals he steals <laughs> Picard's girl, and he's there then at at the end. In Deep Space Nine, he's kind of just there. I think he's annoying as a character, 
but he gets good reactions out of the other characters, most notably like Picard or whatever, because he's how he is. He mostly just interacts with Vash in this episode, besides some brief, a brief, very good scene with Cisco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the boxing scene. Yes, that's yeah. that's the best in this. Episode. Yeah, I love Q's mustache in that scene. Yeah, it's like very kind of like the old style. Like it's something like out of Conan or something. Like yeah. just like yeah. I guess I figured because of Conan, I know he he hosted Saturday Night Live and did a sketch as like one of those old timey boxers. But yeah, it's very. <laughs> Like, if you like old-timey comedy, that's kind of, like, like I think, like, most people on Twitter do, you know, that's, you're gonna like that. Like I was gonna say, there was something about the episode where, since you just mentioned it, Wrangle, where a lot of the interactions but with Q were with Vosh, and Q and her interacting, it's, like, two guest stars, like, not part of the main cast, talking a lot to each other. And there was there was just something about that that like it just didn't really hook me, you know. Like the, there wasn't a, enough of an interaction between them and the main cast. I think. Yeah, both of them never to return, so everything was completely pointless. I would have actually liked <laughs> to see Vash return. I think she yeah. fits in better on Deep Space Nine than Q. Deep Space Nine already kind of has its omnipotent characters in the Prophets, but Vash is kind of, like, her interactions with Quark are pretty interesting in this episode, so maybe they just couldn't get her actors back or they didn't have any interest in doing it, but it kind of seems like they set it up for her to return, but, yeah, they don't. (laughs) Well, also about, and going back to what you said, and also what um, Roger said about Q being kind of not much to do there, apparently, yeah, originally in the first draft, it was initially only Vash, who showed up. And I guess then, I guess it was um, producer Michael Piler who um, decided, hey, let's, you know, bring in Q2. Yeah, great idea. Yeah, well, I'm guessing it was mostly his thinking, oh, hey, that'd be a good rating. He'd probably, I imagine, think of like, oh, hey, that'll be a good, you know, publicity, get rate, you know, get people to tune in, you know, because like people want to see Q. Yeah. What, you know, I did like, you know, I found like, oh, hey, DS9 has a Q episode. Like, I want, that was something I want, well, I wanted to see. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like a good idea. Mentioning the prophets, you know, it might be interesting maybe to, like, have them interact with the prophets or some way. Yeah, Q versus the prophets. Or, I mean, it might be different because we're very, I mean, I guess I mean that the prophets are very kind of off-screen, kind of seem very mysterious and stuff, while Q obviously is like, he's, you know, up in your face talking to you. You know, it's like he's omnipotent, but you can kind of understand him more. Yeah, you gotta wonder, does Q know about the prophets? Do the, do the prophets know about Q? Like, he has to. Yeah, what's what's like the what's the social structure of the like Milky Way galaxy omnipotent alien scene, you know? Yeah, I don't think no they ever really go on how where how they all interact together. Like do they have a hierarchy? Do they ever if there any relationship between them? We never really they all seem to kind of exist by them kind of by themselves when they show up. Yeah, what Star Trek really needs is, like, power levels. Like, maybe if they could scan <laughs> these these beings and give them a number, and then we could see, like, what level they are. And maybe if there was, like, some episodes where, like, they shoot, like, beams at each other, and the beams yeah. hit each other, and, and there's kind of a tug of war. Well, Actually, that later happens. Later on. <laughs> but those are two of the same being. I want to see Q versus, uh, you know, I do know that else. there's a, there was one powerful being in a... Original series episode, um, Trailing. I don't know if you've, I haven't seen the episode. I don't know if either you have. But apparently, he's been fan to, fans have long speculated to him. And I guess there's even a novel that kind of based on this that he's a Q. Believe I have seen that. Yeah, I, I watched through most of the first season of TOS fairly recently, actually. Uh, and yeah, it's the Squire of Gothos. Yeah. Gothos. Yeah, he's kind of 
Q prototype-esque. He's like uh, kind of puckish and wants to just toy with people. But then at the end of the episode, it's revealed uh, he's like a baby or he's like a child, which I think that's probably like four or five of the TOS episodes in that first season. Like all in a row, they're all about a god-like creature that's actually a child. <laughs> they liked that. They liked that topic. I do know some of the novels have gone... Have, I, I don't know if some of the novels have tied some of these beans together or like... You know, I think there's, like, a novel, there's, like, a Q trilogy where he, like, turns out, like, he hangs out with, like, two beans from the Marion Belly entity, the the thing that made the Klingons and Kirk fight each other, and the thing that pretend to be God in Star Trek V, they and Q, like, were this little punk, omnipotent punk gang that hang around, that hung around, like, millions of, trillions what of years ago. What are they doing hanging around? Like, what does yeah, that just even like, mean? Well, they I mean, just it seems like they were just, apparently they were, like, I haven't read the book, but apparently, like, from, like, Mary Bay, I guess they just, like... There's such a little gang that like went around causing trouble. Yeah, I just wonder what that looks like. Like when when they're all like just existing. In... They're all hanging on the same plane of existence. Yeah. yeah. So there's the the limits of like Q's powers don't even really make sense to me because there's some stuff that happens in the episode where I mean it's pretty clear in the TNG episodes that he's in where he wants to imply that he's omnipotent and like all powerful even though he's not really. But here, there's there's this scene where O'Brien, like, recognizes Q in the replimat. So, like, Q is talking to, to Vash in the replimat, and O'Brien walks by and sees Q, and is like, damn, that's Q. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta let, hell. I gotta let Cisco know that's Q. W- why, why did Q let O'Brien recognize him? Well, like, he doesn't care, because he's, yeah. I, I would say that. He didn't know O'Brien or anyone who, rec- maybe also, like, oh, he didn't know O'Brien or anyone was, like, there, who would recognize him? No, he knows. I, I think, well, Q's primary character trait is arrogance. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think he cares if O'Brien recognizes him. Later in the episode, he's like, who are you? <laughs> he basically kind of implies that O'Brien is an unimportant character. <laughs> I was going to say, that was, like, one of my favorite moments of the episode, because it just, it, you really feel awkward, like, secondhand embarrassment for O'Brien. Like, yeah. he's like, because you can tell, see, like, Oh, hey, I have, you know, because, like, of all the crew, he's the only one who has, like, direct experience with Q, so he's thinking, oh, hey, I I need to kind of step, I kind of step in, and then Q just, like, cuts immediately, cuts it down, like, you weren't anyone important on the Enterprise. You're, you're I only care, like, he only cares about, like, the bridge crew. Moments before, he was saying that Q should go torment Cardassians, though, so you can't feel too bad for <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. That, that's probably, that's that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's shouldn't you good. go, shouldn't you be go tormenting Cardassians? Like... <laughs> Just blatant racism from O'Brien. Do any of the other races have to justify that them being in space? It seems like it's only us who have to, like, justify us being in space to being some some omnipotent being. And we're always like, you're a savage species and you just spread misery. It's like, what about the Klingons and Romulans? <laughs> the Cardassians? Like, what about... What are, the, what are they doing? You don't you don't think that Ducat on on his in his command would pass one of Q's little uh, morality uh, plays? Yeah. I, w- I would love to see that Ducat and I want some that should be a book like Ducat and Q or something. Yeah, I feel like Q is a, it's pretty great material for like fan fiction, which is basically what the novels are. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, "What would Q do in this situation?" or "What would it what would it be like if such and such became a Q or whatever?" And yeah, I, I like the idea that there's just a bunch of people in the mid '90s who had the same idea as as like eight year old me, b- except they wrote like entire books about it and sold yeah. them. 
childhood is admiring Q. Adulthood is realizing that Ducat is right. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely right. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like horniness yeah. in this episode. Oh yeah, around Vash, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like again, to talk about Q, why is why is Q horny for anyone, es- especially a human? He was kind of horny for Picard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he just likes to to cuck Picard. Yeah, <laughs> and that that does make sense. But for some reason, like Julian is like instantly smitten with her and and Quark. Well, he's you know like early Julian is basically you know horny for every female that yeah, he sees. True. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think both these episodes we're going to talk about start with Julian flirting. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was his character in these days. It seems like that was his, his initial big characteristic, being like being like a horny fuckboy or whatever. I think I'm using that right. It seems like in in the in these two episodes, he was less awkward about it than the previous ones, though. Yeah. Like, well, I think we're going along, so we're like toning it down and like you know realizing like it, we can't have him like lusting over Jadzia like every scene. Yeah, but I, what I meant by that was that it seems like in the previous episodes he would try and then kind of flub it. But here it seems like he's delivering the lines like like he should, but they're they're just kind of just kind of sleazy. Yeah, he doesn't come across as like a, a, a principled Starfleet officer, which is an interesting way to go. But yeah, they they don't really follow up on that. I guess you could say that he does develop, well, but Picard and Riker were in Starfleet, so <laughs> that's true. But Riker was genuinely smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he is a doctor, so. Julian, you mean? Yeah, and like according to sitcoms, that's that's when the professions that women love. Yeah, that's a good point. Although Starship Captain's pretty badass too. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to mention this episode. It kind of struck me in a way. This is the plot. This episode kind of foreshadows all good things, and just that it's like there's some weird thing happening, and we initially and we kind of have Q there as a red herring, but it turns out to be something else, and Q kind of like in. Not directly, but kind of helps. It kind of helps our heroes find out what the real cause is. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, it turns out to be Vosh has some crystal, which is like some kind of egg or something for some kind of space space manta, manta ray or something yeah. like Phantom that. Phantom manta, yes. <laughs> yeah, they, they ripped that off in Super Mario Sunshine. It returns. <laughs> the embryonic life form is haunting a hotel. Oh, I do say it's only... Apparently recently by Goth at the episode, the title of the episode is a play on Clueless. Ah. I, I didn't really get that until I said it out loud. You know, honestly, I, it didn't make any sense to me either. I, I just didn't even think about it. Okay. I still don't know what that episode, like, when there's an episode called Hiding Q, and it's like, what's that? That's, Q doesn't sound anything like Seek, like, that's not like an expression to hide. I don't know, that's just like, I think that's the laziest. Is that Voyager? That's like the laziest Q episode title, I think. That doesn't rhyme or anything. Or <laughs> I think there were some good lines in this episode. There was this this one quote: "Quark, you obsequious toad." <laughs> I love that guy. I love that actor. Oh yeah. yeah. It, it, I think the prosthetics were like covering most of his mouth, so it lent a very funny like pitch to his voice. Yeah, yeah it's, it was it was hilarious. And the, the other line that I liked was Q saying that Picard and his lackeys would have solved all this techno babble hours ago. And, it, you know, obviously it's just kind of like a, you know, an end joke with, with the audience for all the bullshit tech crap that they're, they're saying all the time. 
I thought, well, I just thought it was kind of funny that like, Q is he's complimenting Picard, which, you know, he obviously never does to their Picard and the Enterprise, which he obviously he never does to their face because he's a lot. But it's kind of interesting to know that he kind of like. So he thinks pretty highly of them. Yeah. But which I think we could probably kind of build. But yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that. And I guess that's in a way we can only really have seen it in like on another show because he would never like tell Picard back to his face. He loves him. Yeah. Yeah. If you. <laughs> It's, this is well known that Q yeah. loves Picard. Yeah, it's just like one huge neg. That's just, just, just what's yeah. going on. Go go to Tumblr, type in Picard, but with the yeah. C as a Q, and you'll well, find lots of I slash am... pairings of Q and Picard. Well, I saw that Voyager I don't know that that's actually true. It just sounds true. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I remember when I saw that Voyager rap where, like, he goes to, like, Janeway to, like, have a child. I knew, oh, there must be tons of fan fiction where he goes to Picard instead. Yeah. Also, I think this is the the first time that Quark is called a troll. People call him a troll for the rest of the series. Yeah. This time, Q says that he's a disgusting yeah. little troll. I, I like that. In the classical sense. Not the... I don't know. You think I... Troll? Is he... Yeah, he's not really that much of a troll. I mean, he says he has some remarks, but he's not like a what we would call like an internet troll now. No, he's an upstanding small businessman. Yeah. He's yeah, more he's, of a... If he's going to be any fantasy race, he's a goblin. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but he... Yeah, if he, yeah, Freddy do seem like a lot of those old... Yeah, those kind of like goblins. Yeah, elves, you know. They're all the same to me. Call me a racist if you want. I don't care. There was one really weird scene in this episode that I, like... I, I didn't remember it, and it just made me kind of, like... It just it was just so weird, like when Q gives Vash that disease, like on the oh, promenade, yeah. he like just basically just like makes her sick progressively, like you know gives her fucked up hair and then a bunch of rashes all over her body, like in the yeah. middle of the promenade, and like people are like watching this happen, and then after it's done, she turns back to normal, and they're just like, what what was that, and then. You know, it just cuts to another scene. It just seemed like it's such a weird thing to happen. It would be more affecting if her acting when she turns into an old woman and dies was better. But she kind of <laughs> just goes like, ah, ah, Yeah. And falls over. Uh, but yeah, that is a odd scene. <laughs> I don't really know if I have much else to say about this particular episode. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Q's always... Yeah. I mean, if they had a... It might be fun to have Q come back. I mean, if they had, like, a... I mean, if they had, like, a good enough idea, like, not just for, like, you know, bring him back for just his own sake. I give it five slips of gold-pressed latinum out of ten. That's my new gimmick. <laughs> That's a great gimmick. Yeah. So, our next episode is uh, Dax. It's an episode, uh, I guess that's about Dax, but she doesn't say any words in it. Uh, <laughs> a mysterious uh, force comes onto the station, kidnaps Dax. Tries to kidnaps her. Attempts, attempt to, yeah. attempts to kidnap Dax, but is thwarted. And it turns out they are trying to extradite her to a non-Federation planet with the death penalty under charges of murder and treason, but not for Jedzia Dax, but Curzon Dax. Uh, Cisco, of course, doesn't want this to happen, so he sends uh, Detective Odo. Gumshoe Odo is on the case. And then they have a trial on the station where they try to decide if Trills uh, can escape their past host's misdeeds. Yeah. Although, as the judge says numerous times, or as people, yeah, as characters say numerous times, it's not a trial, it's a hearing. Yes. I think they say that like five times. 
It's not a trial, except she bangs her little orb Rock. gavel. Oh, I just realized that's a is a orb. I mean, it was orb shaped. It was a sphere. Oh, Do you think that's because I didn't realize that she's the Bajoran judge and she had her gavel is a sphere? Yeah, I d yeah, I didn't realize. I don't know about. It just came when I said it right now. It just yeah. You think that was intentional, or they just wanted I, to give her a weird gavel? I'm just gonna assume it was intentional because that makes it better. Yeah, <laughs> of course. If it wasn't, it should be. That should be the canon, but going off, it seems like this episode watching. It seems like the main reason behind it was kind of like to help the audience understand more about how being a trill works. Because like during the hearing, you know, we get them, we get numerous people questions about like, oh, is a trail like, is it the personality assumed? No, it's a joining. You know, we kind of get like, it seems like a, yeah, I kind of get the sense that that was kind of its main purpose was kind of like to, to get audiences to understand like how the joining and of a trail works. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but it, I think it does illustrate a lot about how it's supposed to work. And this episode reminds me a lot of the episode where in TNG, where uh, the measure of a man, I think it's called, yeah. about data, where they have the trial to see whether data is like sentient or whatever. I guess that's just because it's a trial, and that's what all trial yeah. episodes are like. I think they were actually. I think they were clearly trying to do exactly ape that episode because it was a well-received episode. Well, I'm assuming it was well-received at the time. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty it well-liked now. Uh, the episode where they've let Data in Starfleet for how many years, but then suddenly decide he's not a, he might not be a person. Yeah, twelve, I, twelve years into his service or something. That, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. But it's a good episode. That that same kind of problem crops up here, where I like the idea of the exposition here and the ex explanation and like just like thinking about what kind of legal implications are at play whenever the symbiont goes from one host to, an, to another. But really, it seems like this particular thing would have been figured out by now because Trill society's like pretty old, they're advanced, they probably deal with this all the time, and lots of species have interacted with them over the years, and they've probably dealt with it too. So wouldn't this have already been decided, like, a long time ago? Yeah, that's something I thought about the episode too. Yeah, this must have... I mean, it seems very unlikely that no Trill has ever... In fact, we did later do learn, uh, when we learned about Joran. Yeah, that so... there's another murderer situation going and on. In that case, and... definitely, he definitely was a murderer. Yeah. Could kill the dra the Dax symbiote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the reason for that is is simple, Roger. The Trill Society is ruled by the aristocracy of the joined, and so they've kind of quashed any uh, anyone that's trying to think about uh, the statute of limitations on that old, on the crimes of the past <laughs> symbionts. They, they, that is kind of brought up later in the series that like they're the, the joined are kind of at the top of society. So maybe not as much of a, of a joke. Like maybe, maybe it's never been brought up because Trills are like Federation members. So they kind of get to decide the rules within the Federation. So outside the Federation, it's murky enough that something like this hearing is necessary. I don't know. Yeah, the, the Claystron 4 people need to figure this out. Maybe also because it's Bajor, it's like, you know, the Bajorans, like the hearing is what the Bajorans decide wherever it's going to go ahead. So maybe like, even if the Federation has its own policy, it's like the Bajorans have to decide what their policy is going to be. 
That makes more sense. There, yeah. there was some actor recycling in this episode. I don't know if you guys noticed the Tondro wife was the same actress that played like Juliana, the uh, the wife of Noonien Soong, the guy who oh. built Data in Next Generation. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, the dude who played Elon Tandro plays another like kind of similar, maybe not similar guy, but like an, another alien dude later on in DS9 on the episode Who Mourns for Morn. Yeah, it's just. It's just kind of weird to just notice that both of those characters are, like, reused in Star Trek. Well, I think that's pretty common, like, you know, if you for Star Trek. And I think for most shows, because it's like, yeah, if you know, like, oh, hey, you, you know them, so you know they understand, and, you know, they'll understand the material and what to expect out of them. Yeah. The best, the best guy in this show plays, like, two different roles, so... Yeah. Are you talking about Jeffrey Combs? Yes. Nice. Plus, he um, his first appearance, I think, is that one-off alien who's really horny for Kira and wants a hologram of her to fuck. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good episode when we get to it. Is there any horniness in this episode that we need to talk about? I mean, besides, uh, Ju- well, Julian, Julian horny for 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 Dax. Uh, oh well, Curzon and the yeah. old lady were horny. And we also, oh yeah, and lots of horniness. Quirk is also horny for Dax, but not enough to let them use the bar as the for the hearing until Odo threatens to enforce a bunch of zoning regulations or whatever building yeah, why regulations. Did they, why did they use the bar? I mean, I guess just because it looks cool. They're only set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the only suitable set where they're gonna use the bridge. Yeah, well, I think they said like it's the only big enough area. Odo says like oh, it's the only big enough area or whatever. Which seems ridiculous because it's this huge station. They have they a conference hold... room. Yeah, they have, like, they tons hold of it? conference rooms. Because um, oh, yeah. war... they hold a trial in one of those conference rooms later. With... Yeah, the war episode. <laughs> I was wondering like, well, maybe they built that set after. I'm guessing they built that because I know they built like more sets when season two came around. They built more. Like, they built, like, a top side of, uh, of Quarks and stuff, so maybe that was, like, they didn't have that yet. I, I'm trying to think if we've seen it yet in this season, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah I don't know. The, the first thing they mention in this episode is that, for some reason, Cisco's Captain's Log entry is that O'Brien and Keiko went back to Earth for Keiko's mom's 100th birthday. And I guess it was just, like, to, to say... Oh, Chief O'Brien's not going to be in this episode. Yeah. I, I wonder why they had to point that out. Like, they didn't point out that Jake wasn't in this episode or Nog wasn't in this episode. Mm-hmm. They seem to... I think I think he might be gone for a few episodes. Or There's a period where, where O'Brien's gone for a while. Yeah, I think... I've read it called meanly. Like, he did... He would, like, do a lot of movies. Take time out. Yeah, so he would, like, leave because he wanted to... That was late. I don't think he was leaving to do this, but I know he did Con Air during the when the series was being made. Ah. Uh, but yeah, I read that he took like he would take a lot of time out to like go do yeah to go do movies. Th- this episode brings up uh, an interesting thing, uh, which is um, what is Odo's job? <laughs> because he <laughs> seems to just immediately go to this far off planet to do an investigation. It affects a star fleet officer that's that has nothing to do with station security i mean her getting kidnapped but after after that it seems like he would have no reason to do that but i guess i mean i i guess Odo just wanted to because he likes yeah. playing detective 
Yeah, I, I don't really understand why that, that is the case. I mean, I, of course I do, because he's a major character and he has to have something to do. But yeah, like, how did he get there? Like, did, did Cisco tell him to do it? Did he volunteer to do it? Cisco asks him to do it. Or uh, he implies he wants him to do it. He's like, oh, if only we could get some firsthand, you know, and, and it was like, mm, yes. And then he just goes, I guess he goes in a runabout, which they let him use. A to lot. Claystron 4. To Claystron 4. Maybe it's close by. They're kind of on the edge of Federation space. Yeah. And uh, he goes there, and he goes right to the house of the most important lady on the planet, and he walks in. <laughs> He's a shapeshifter that everyone distrusts, and he could just murder her uh, and replace her. But uh, he just walks in, and he gets to be an, ins- an inspector. <laughs> Yeah. I, I think it's cute that Odo likes to be a detective. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like how, like, I think, like, Worf is both tactical officer and security chief of, like, on the Enterprise. And I feel like they would get two separate people for both jobs because, I mean, they do really, like, they're both defending the ship, but they're not, like, just being, like, on the lookout for, like, you know, people infiltrating the inf- Enterprise and, and, like, you know, the defense planner against, like, an attacking ship are kind of two different skill things. Yodo doesn't seem to know nothing about shooting missiles. I don't even think he's allowed to. So he's really, he's like, he's supposed to just be the station security, but he just does whatever. Yeah. Well, it's like how you said, I remember when you posted, you when you were watching, you tweet about how, like, they, basically everyone, like, when they get to the fight, like, you know, Kira and Odo really don't have any reason to be there, but they're always there. I remember your tweet about, like, how, like, oh, they just bring everybody... Bring basically bring the entire cast basically on mid defiant. Yeah, it's Apparently. like uh, yeah, they sometimes they give a reason for why you would take Kira and Odo, especially Odo. There's no reason to take him because his job is like specifically security on the station. But sometimes they come up with a reason, and sometimes they just don't even bother. Odo's just there, <laughs> and it, I think he said it's because they're their friends. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they want to hang out. Like that's yeah. fair enough, but they should bring uh, they should bring uh, Quark and Rom too. <laughs> yeah. That made me well, sometimes of, they do. Sometimes they do. That did make me think of like a, a funny like it'd be funny if like we just opened on the fight and we just gradually reveal that more that more and more people on there until gradually it turns out like pretty much the entire extended cast is on the defiant. Yeah. Like, like it starts out with oh hey Odo and Kira then Garrick and Quark and then Martok and then like eventually the Kai Win and Dakota are there too. <laughs> <laughs> Morn and the Ferengi bartenders. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, just like, hey, we're going... Picard, like, just... You know, Cisco like, opens the... On, you know, says, hey, everyone, but the fire is going out. Come, everyone, come in. Go to dock. We're going out to Playstorm 4. Oh, I will... Oh, one thing I should mention is um, this episode was written by DC Fontana, who was a writer and a... I think she was the script... Eventually became the script editor of the original series... And also the animated series. She wrote a lot of episodes, and I think most notably, um, A Muck Time, the one where they introduces, like, Pond Far, and where, um, they go, and I think it was, like, the one we first visit Vulcan, and he and Duba, dun, 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 you know. Oh, cool. And I think she also wrote the episode where, um, Journey to Babel, which introduced Spock's father. And I think, yeah, they did say they got her because of that, because, like, it was, like, just, like, those episodes kind of, like, helped build up Vulcan and Spock. This episode was going to, like, build up Dax and Trill. So that's, I think they said that's why they got her. And I think, although she may have done, I think she's done some, like, comics or something since then, but I think this is her, like, last, the last episode of Star Trek that she wrote. 
Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Seems like the last one she wrote. Yeah. Well, good riddance. (laughs) (laughs) Because this episode was uh, not not that good, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty mediocre. I Season one, I think, has a lot of mediocre stuff in it. Like I said, I'm really looking forward to Move Along Home. The previous ones, I think the Tosk episode was good, but everything else kind of just kind of middling quality. Yeah. Emissary was pretty good, I think, for a pilot. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like a pilot like everything. You know, I think, like, you have to give, like, the first season, more or less, like, of each show is kind of like a shakedown. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have, especially at this point where I think... I don't know. I mean, I'm interesting to figure out what was like the first episode written after like the this. What was the first episode made after the, sh- the series started airing? You know, I'd be interested to find out that out because like I feel like once you like for the writers and stuff, I feel once they like see the show and see the actors portray the characters, I I feel like once you see that, you can you give can kinda, a better like, idea. Yeah, because you can kind of get okay. This is what the character is, whatever, and you know maybe they'll like portray the characters in ways that are different than they were planned and kind of like will cause people to, like, as such, adjust to, like, write better to the actor's strength. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, DS9 is still in this part where it's, like, you know, they're still, like, kind of figuring out the characters and everything and what kind of show it's going to be. So I think, like, considering that, I think, like, they've been pretty good. I mean, I think, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, like, to get to, like, the good episodes, we're going to have, to get to, like, any show is going to have to go through this period where it's just kind of, like, you know, and then pretty much any series, if you go and see the first episode, it's kind of, the first season is kind of weird and wonky. It doesn't get good until there's lots of CGI ships flying around and epic battles. So we've got about six seasons left. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do not get enough duet- epic battles. Yeah. Man. We do get duet this season. That's but boring because like- it doesn't have any battles. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have the Nagus coming up. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's the end of our episode today. And the next episode, we'll be talking about the DS9 episodes, The Passenger and Move Along Home. I'd like to thank Wrangle for joining our podcast permanently. Hopefully he'll be here for the rest of the time that we're doing it. And yeah, as usual, follow us on Twitter and we'll see you next time.